0: Section 39 of The Treasure Chest of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Treasure Chest of My Book House. Edited by Olive Beaupre Miller. The Secret Door. By Susan Coolidge. Knoll in Kent is an ancient manor-house. It stands knee-deep in rich garden and pasture-lands with hay-fields and apple-orchards stretching beyond and solemn oak-woods which whisper and shake their wise heads when the wind blows, as though possessed of secrets which must not be spoken. Very much as it looks to-day, it looked two hundred and thirty years ago, when Charles I was King of England blue christmas smokes curled from the twisted chimneys in sixteen forty five just as they will this year and the same dinnery fragrance filled the air a few changes there may be thicker trees beds of gay flowers which were not known in that day and where once the moat a ditch-like stream of green water covered with wheeze and scum ran round the walls is now a trimly cut border of verdant turf but in all important respects the house keeps its old look undisturbed by modern times and ways in the same nursery where modern boys and girls eat sleep and learn their a b c to-day two children lived little ralph tresham and his sister henrietta quaint old-fashioned creatures they would look to us now but in spite of their formal dresses and speech they were bright and merry and happy as any children you can find among your acquaintances. Ralph's name was pronounced Rafe, and he called his sister Hexie. Christmas did not come to Knole in its usual bright shape in sixteen forty-five. Gloom and sadness and anxiety overshadowed the house, and though the little ones did not understand what the cause of the anxiety was, they felt something wrong and went about quietly whispering to each other in corners, instead of whooping and laughing, as had been their wont. They had eaten their Christmas beef, and toasted the king in the thimble full of wine as usual. But their mother cried when they did so, and Joyce, the old butler, had carried off the pudding with a face like a funeral. So after dinner they crept away to the nursery, and there by the window began a long whispered talk, Hexie had something very exciting to tell Nurse thought I was asleep she said, but I wasn't quite and when they began to talk I woke up Did you know there were such creatures as bogies, Rafe? Dorothy thinks we have got one in our house and that its hole is in the great gallery Because once when she was there dusting the armor she heard a queer noise in the wall and what else could it be? It eats a great deal, does the bogey. That's the reason nurse is sure we have got one. It ate all the cold sheep's head yesterday. And the day before, half the big pasty. No victual is safe in the larder. The bogey has such a big appetite, nurse says. I remember about the sheep's head, said Rafe meditatively. Almost all of it was left, and I looked to see if it come in cold. But when I asked, Joyce said there was none cold sheep's head is very good do you remember how much humphrey used to like it i don't remember exactly it is so long ago replied hexie how long is it since brother humphrey went away won't he ever come back i asked winifred once but she only said god knew that nothing had been heard of him since the battle when the roundheads took the king prisoner he might be dead or he might be escaped into foreign parts and then she cried, "'Oh, so hard, Hexie!" "'But about the bogey, "'how curious it must be to meet one! "'Oh, I say, let's go up to the gallery now "'and listen if we can hear any strange noises there. "'Will you?' "'Oh, Rafe, I'm afraid. "'I don't quite like—' "'But you can't be afraid if I'm there,' "'said Rafe valiantly. "'Besides, I'll put on Humphrey's old sword, "'which he left behind. "'Then if the bogey comes, "'we shall see.' Rafe spoke like a conquering hero, Hexy thought. So, though she trembled, she made no further objection, but stood by while he lifted down the sword, helped to fasten its belt over his shoulder, and followed along the passageway, which led to the gallery. The heavy sword clattered and rattled as it dragged on the floor, and the sound was echoed in a ghostly way, which renewed Hexy's fears. Rafe, Rafe, let us go back! she cried go back yourself if you are afraid replied rafe stoutly. and as going back alone through the dim passage seemed just then very worse than staying where she was Hexie stayed very softly they unlatched the gallery door and stole in it was a long lofty apartment panelled with cedar wood to which time had given a beautiful light brown colour the ceiling of the same wood was carved here and there with shields coats of arms and other devices there was little furniture one tall cabinet a few high-backed dutch chairs and some portraits hanging on the walls the sun not yet quite set poured a stream of red light across the polished floor leaving the far corners and the empty spaces formidably dusk the children had seldom been in the gallery at this hour and it looked to them almost like a strange place not at all as it did at noonday, when they came to jump up and down the slippery floor and play hide-and-seek in the corners which now seemed so dark and dismal. Even Rafe felt the difference and shivered in spite of his bold heart and the big sword by his side. Timidly they went forward, hushing their footsteps and peering furtively into the shadows. Suddenly Hexy stopped with a little scream close to them stood a huge suit of armour larger and taller than a man the empty eye-holes of the helmet glared out quite like real eyes and the whole figure was terrible enough to frighten any little girl but it was not at the armour that Hexie screamed the iron man was an old friend of the children's many a game of hide-and-seek had they played around and behind and even inside him for Humphrey had contrived a cunning way by which the figure could be taken to pieces and put together again, and more than once Rafe had been popped inside and had lain shaking with laughter while Hexie vainly searched for him through all the gallery. This had not happened lately, for Rafe was hardly strong enough to manage by himself the screws and hinges, which opened the armor, but he knew the Iron Man too well to scream at him, and so did Hexie. The object which excited her terror was something different, and so strange and surprising, that it is no wonder she screamed. Close by the armour, half hidden by a curtain of heavy tapestry, was an open door, where never door had been known to be. It stood ajar, and dimly visible inside was a narrow staircase, winding upward. "'The whole of the bogey!' gasped Hexie clutching at Rafe's arm he started, and felt for the sword. It rattled fearfully, and the sound completed Hexy's terror. She burst away, flew like a scared lapwing down the gallery, along the passages, and never stopped till she reached the nursery and her own bed, where, with two pillows and the quilt drawn over her head, she lay sobbing bitterly at the thought of Rafe left behind, to be eaten, perhaps, by the bogey. Poor little Hexie! Rafe, meanwhile, stood his ground. His heart beat very fast, but he would not run away. That was for girls. It must be owned, however, that when a moment later the sound of muffled voices became audible down the stairs, he trembled extremely and was guilty of hiding behind the curtain. The voices drew nearer, steps sounded, and two figures came out of the narrow doorway. Could there be two bogies? No wonder they ate so much. But in another minute, all thought of bogies vanished from Rafe's mind, for in one of the figures he recognized his own sister, Winifred. Her companion was a man. There was something familiar in his form. It moved forward, and Rafe jumped so that the big sword rattled again. Bogie number 2 was his brother Humphrey, mourned as dead ever since the summer before, when so many brave gentlemen gave up their lives for King Charles at the Battle of Naseby what noise was that whispered winifred fearfully some sound from below replied humphrey after listening a moment must you go winnie i must dear humphrey i dare not absent myself longer lest i be missed and suspected oh if to-morrow were but over and you safe on the french lugger and over the sea i cannot breathe while this hiding goes on and you ever in danger of being discovered and taken by the roundheads i suppose i ought to be glad also said humphrey ruefully but to me that french lugger means exile and loneliness for the rest of my life perhaps better have laid down my life with the rest at naseby in striking one last blow for the king don't don't speak so protested winifred tearfully you're alive thank god and once these wars are over we may rejoin you and have a happy home somewhere if not in the land of our fathers "'Now, dear Humphrey, have you all you need for the night?' "'Christmas cheer,' said Humphrey, in a would-be cheerful voice. "'Beef and ale, what better fare could be? "'You are a gallant provider, my Winnie. "'That sheep's head was wondrous savoury. "'I say, though, what do the servants think of the famine I create in the larder?' "'Oh, the stupid things fancy that a bogey has taken up his residence here, "'a very hungry bogey,' Joyce calls the creature.' The brother and sister laughed then they kissed each other good night winifred good night brother and humphrey vanished up the stairs winnie lingered a moment then as if remembering something opened the door again and ran after him rafe marked that she laid her hand on a particular boss in the carved wainscot and pressed it in hard whereon the door sprang open he stole out laid his hand on the same boss and felt the spring give way under his touch some undefined idea of stealing in later to make Humphrey a visit was in his head but he heard winifred returning and hurried out of the gallery putting back the sword in its place he entered the nursery no hexie was visible but a sobbing sound drew his attention to a tumbled heap on the bed is that you hexie why what are you crying about pulling away the pillow which she held tight oh rafe then the bogey didn't eat you after all and hexie buried her tear-stained face in his shoulder bogey nonsense there are no such things as bogeys what was it then that lived up that dreadful stairs i can't tell you only it was nothing at all dreadful and hexie don't say a word about that door to anyone, will you it might make great trouble if you did i did tell deborah when she fetched the candle and asked why i cried that i saw a strange door in the gallery faltered hexie truthful though penitent oh hexie how could you i don't like deborah her father is a crop-eared knave and a roundhead. humphrey said so one day how could you talk to her about the door hexie i don't know i was frightened and she asked me sobbed hexie will it do any harm rafe it may said rafe gloomily but don't cry hexie you meant no harm at all events oh don't speak so gravely and so like joyce said hexie much troubled she cried herself to sleep that night deborah who undressed her asked many questions about the gallery and the door it was very dark and perhaps i mistook that was all hexie could be made to say rafe was disturbed and wakeful and slept later than usual next morning he jumped up in a hurry and made what haste he could with dressing and breakfast But it seemed as though they never took so much time before and All the while he ate he was conscious of a stir and bustle in the house which excited his curiosity very much Knocking the sound of feet something unusual going on As soon as possible he slipped away from the nurse and ran to the gallery The door was half open he looked in and stood still with terror men in brown uniforms and steel caps were there sounding the walls and and tapping the floorboards with staves roundheads in search of humphrey the gallery seemed full of them though when rafe counted there were but five this man of iron was in all likelihood a malignant also he heard one of them say striking the armour with his fist he is somewhat old for that methinks that is armour of the time of that man of blood harry the eighth move it aside jotham that we may search the farther panel so the heavy figure was thrust into a corner and the men went on tapping with their wands rafe groaned within himself when he heard them declare that the wall sounded hollow and saw them searching for a spring twenty times it seemed as though they must have lighted on the right place twenty times they just missed it we were ill-advised to come without tools declared the man who seemed leader of the party Come now to my shop Peter Kettle and now Bartimaeus and Zerubbabel and we will fetch such things as are needful Jotham stay thou here to see that no man escapeth from the concealment behind the wall So four of the men went away leaving Jotham striding up and down as on guard Presently came a shout from beneath the window Jotham our leader hath dropped his pouch in which are the keys of the smithy Hasten and bring it to the outer door ay ay answered jotham and pouch in hand he ran down the stairs now was rafe's opportunity like a flash he was across the gallery his hand on the boss the door flew open and he fell into the arms of humphrey who sword in hand and teeth set stood on the lower step of the staircase prepared to sell his liberty as dearly as possible rafe little rafe he exclaimed hush the man will come back panted rafe come away hide oh where then with a sudden inspiration he dragged his brother toward the iron man get inside he cried they will never think of searching there oh humphrey make haste get inside there was no time to be lost with the speed of desperation humphrey unscrewed lifted stepped inside the armor rafe slipped the fastenings together whispering shut your eyes and flew back to his hiding-place just in time for jotham's step was on the stair and next moment he entered the gallery and resumed his march up and down little dreaming that the man he sought for was peeping through the helmet-holes at him not three feet away presently the other soldiers came back with hammers and wrenches And in short time the beautiful wainscot split into pieces lay on the floor Suddenly there was a shout the secret door had flown open and the staircase stood revealed Four of the men with pikes and pistols prepared to ascend while the fifth guarded the opening below At that moment Winifred entered the gallery from the farther end She turned deadly pale when she saw the door open Oh Heaven have mercy she cried and dropped half fainting into a chair Rafe darted across the floor and seized her hand Hush he whispered don't say a word sister. He is safe He who cried the amazed Winifred, but now voices sounded from above the men were coming down Winifred rallied her courage rose and went forward She was still very white, but she spoke in a steady voice Her two brothers, Humphrey in his hiding-place, and little Rafe by her side, both admired her greatly. "'What is the meaning of this, Jotham Green?' she demanded. "'By what warrant do you enter and spoil our house?' "'By the warrant which all true men have to search for traitors,' said Jotham. "'You will find none such here,' responded Winifred firmly. "'We find the lurking-place in which one has doubtless lain,' said Zerubbabel where holes exist look out for vermin you are less than civil neighbor an old house like this has many strange nooks and corners of which the inhabitants may have neither use nor knowledge if your search is done i will beg you to make good the damage you have caused as best you may and with as little noise as possible that my mother be not alarmed jotham green you are a good workman i know i recollect how deftly you once repaired that cabinet for us All the men knew Winifred, and her calm and decided manner made its impression. Jotham slowly picked up the fragments of the panelling, and began to fit them together. The rest consulted, and at last rather sheepishly, and with a muttered half-apology about wrong information, went away, taking with them the injured woodwork, which Jotham undertook to repair. Rafe's first words after they disappeared were, "'Winifred, you must dismiss Deborah.' It was she that has betrayed us How do you know that Rafe then it all came out? Winifred listened to the tale with streaming tears Oh Rafe my darling how brave you were you played the man for us today and have saved Humphrey The men will not return today and tonight the lugger sails and Humphrey was saved before morning well disguised he had made his way across country to a little fishing port embarked and reached france without further accident so that strange christmas adventure ended happily it was all long long ago but still the beautiful old manor house stands amid its garden and pasture lands with the silvery look of time on its gray walls still the armed figure keeps guard beside the secret staircase the tapestry hangs in the old heavy folds evening reddens the cedar walls and the polished floor, and everything occupies the same place and wears the same look that it did when little Rafe played the man in that gallery and saved his brother Humphrey more than two hundred years ago End of section thirty nine